0: It's time to be mindful and take a more bee-centric look inside our hives. Welcome to the Natural Beekeeping Corner with our host, Natalie B. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Natural Beekeeping Corner on the Hive Jive. I'm your host, Natalie B. And today I'm going to have a special episode talking with John Swan about um, little conversion of mine that uh, I came up with that I thought you might be interested in. Hey, John, how are you?
1: I'm good. It's a little uh, meta to be a guest on a segment on my own podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, welcome. You're a special guest. That's exactly what you are. <laughs> Very special. <laughs>
1: Especially early in the morning. It's It's yeah. yellow school bus special at this point in time. <laughs>
0: No, but it's a treat for me and I'm thrilled that you're uh, here to bounce off ideas um, and just kind of pick your brain a little bit um, because it's only together that we can rise and uh, ideas are only as good as the feedback you can get on them and the constructive criticism that you can source uh, to potentially improve those ideas. So I'm a big proponent of that and that's why you're here today. I'm very grateful for uh, you accepting to be here. (laughs) Woo-hoo. <laughs>
1: Woo-hoo. So um, I, I know that in the past, I had ranted and raved about you coming up with the concept of how to take a nuke that you've just purchased, if it happened to came, came, <laughs> if you happened to get it in one of those corrugated plastic nuke boxes, the easy nuke boxes, where you could actually convert that into a way to merge them into a top bar. Because previously, you know, you've heard us talk about on the shows, you can't change a Langstroth to a top bar. Like I've seen people take the actual frames and the comb to a table saw and like (laughs) make this huge mess and all this other stuff. And so we've talked about different ways to do it. So when you came up with that, first, I was dumbfounded and and just (laughs) like gobsmacked at how simple it was. And why I had never thought of that. I was like, oh my (laughs) God, that is so obvious. And yet nobody had ever done it. And so it was, that was a wonderful thing. And now I hear a little birdie has told me that you're going to teach us how you can actually do like a permanent conversion.
0: That's right. So quick recap on the easy nuke box conversion. You can't fit Langstroth frames in top bars easily. There's a wooden frame around it that doesn't fit the cavity of the top bar. So people have been stuck in the past with packages to populate their top bar hives or swarms. And it was quasi impossible to fit those Langstroth frames into those boxes without hacking them to pieces. I'm not big on hacking colonies to pieces. And the trauma and the stress that goes along with it, in the line of being mindful of what we do and the the, the well-being of the colony, being a strong um, component of its health. Right? Stress is no good. Stresses out the immune system. They get sick. They you know lose population. And it's all kinds of bad news. Uh, so taking out the end piece of a tabar hive that has thick walls and uh, no legs on the ends, freeing up the end to be used as a shelf under the top bar hive you just drop that easy plastic corrugated nuke box on top of it um and then you open up the um the shape of the top bar hive with a box cutter basically re- rearrange a few frames put the brood towards the top bar the honey barrier to the back and manage it so that it kind of grows into the top bar during nectar flow it was for me an easy way to do that in a way that was not in, non-invasive to the bees. So fast forward to that, we, we, we did that quite a bit. And that's for when you buy nukes, five frame nukes, colonies that are brand new, that are not very strong and that are expecting to grow during that season. Now I was like, well, we don't have to start with those. And on top of that, you have a lot of people that have already existing um, Langstroth colonies And I don't see why we would have to buy a nuke to do a conversion. And how do I leverage the power of a very established colony that's going to grow that much faster um, without having to purchase anything else? So that's kind of how I came up with that new concept of attaching basically a Langstroth uh, box In this case, a deep, it could be a medium if that's all you're growing uh, in your apiary, but most people have deep brood boxes. So I I took an empty Langstroth box, uh, took out the end piece of my top bar hive completely. And then I aligned the top of my Langstroth box on the long side to the top of the top bar hive. And because I have those thick walls, I was able to screw in very easily towards the top of the box a couple of anchoring screws to basically suspend the Langstroth box up. And I get ahead of myself because I forgot to mention that before I did that, I used a, a board to completely enclose the bottom of that deep box. So like a plywood board or or just, you know, some kind of um, board that would fit the bottom of that hive. So, so a, no a entr-
1: solid, yeah, a solid board, No, no actual bottom board with an entrance, nothing like that, just a solid board.
0: Right. Do you know why that I don't want any um, uh, entrance board or entrances at all at the bottom of that Langstroth hive?
1: You want to force the bees to get used to using the entrance on the new top bar hive, which also encourages them to move in and out through that new space.
0: Right. So the only entrance will be on the top bar part of that conversion. So once I do that, I attach it to the uh, top bar hive and then I... I changed the way I initially was doing it. So the way I initially was doing it is I I, I was trying to trace the um, opening of the tabar hive on the inside of the Langstroth hive, which was a little tricky. I ended up using the end uh, piece and marking the the top of the bars, uh, the line from the tip uh, the top of the tabar hive to the other side of the tabar hive, and then kind of making do with that shape to trace the, um, half hexagonal cavity on the inside of the light hive. Do you think that's, that's a good idea? What do you think? Do you have other suggestions? Because I have another way to do this now. So let, let me run this past you and see what you think.
1: Well, so I far. know, I know that, um, when you, when you originally went through the process, you were going ahead and lining it up you were screwing it in temporarily. And then, like you said, you were using that end cap, setting it down on the inside and tracing it there's there's two things one I I tend to I don't know have more faith in myself sometimes that I should <laughs> so <laughs> I probably would not have screwed it in to begin with I probably would have just used my body weight to hold it in place and mm-hmm. then traced it from the inside of the top bar and then just moved it right back away so then I didn't have to screw it in take it back off yeah. and, then, and then go through and cut it that would have been probably my approach but screwing it in place if you're if you're not coordinated enough if you're worried about pushing the top bar hive over you know it depends on how stable everything is and how well you can hold it in place if you don't think you can do that and hold it steady to get a good trace then there's nothing wrong with screwing it in place there but tracing it from the inside of the top bar i think that is probably the easier option there
0: Yes, and I was so eager to get it, that Langstroth box attached to the top bar and hacking it to pieces to open it up to the top hive that I didn't, on the spot, I didn't think about it. It, it took friend's suggestion actually um, to to mention the fact that, well, it would have been easier to trace it from the inside of the top bar, basically the outside of the Langstroth. So you, you were thinking this the exact same way. And this is what, where it illustrates the importance of having some feedback on your innovations, on your ideas. I I encourage you to get other people's opinions that don't necessarily think uh, in the same box, literally, that you do. You want people that are not biased towards what you're doing, that don't have all that chatter in your head to give you their opinion. Because very often, you don't see what's right in front of your nose and that's what happened to me on that right so that's
1: that was the whole concept with that first one with the easy nuke box like it's corrugated plastic it's not that hard to cut through it with a box knife and when i saw you do that that's why i was just so dumbfounded (laughs) because i was like that is so stupid simple why hasn't anybody come up with that so i will say though going back to that though if you are using the easy nuke box the lesson I learned the first time that I did it, and when you saw it, you, you were uh-huh. like, oh, it should have been the other way. Right. You want to put the box up against the hive so that the lid opening is on the outside, not in the inside closest to where the top bar is. Um, so, reasons. well, <laughs> yeah. So just a uh-huh. simple note there on that part for everybody. Turn it around.
0: <laughs> right. And so the two reasons are basically, first of all, it's easier to open it and inspect it from the outside of the, um, the apparatus the whole thing so when you're standing at the end of it and if your uh, lid is opening towards the top bar then you've got that lid opening in your face it's hard to reach to get the frames but uh, also you have a harder time fitting the bars right there tucked against that box because that lid is in the way Yeah. so for those two reasons it's better to have the lid facing the outside of the apparatus towards towards you basically
1: So now this that's actually an interesting jumping point, because I did have a question about the permanent conversion where you're actually hooking the wood box to the wooden top bar hive. You would have to and this is an assumption, you would have to use a migratory top because you couldn't use a telescoping top for that same reason, the lid is going to stick out and overlap.
0: Absolutely. That's exactly why I use the telescopic cover. And to be honest, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, migratory cover. And to be honest, I didn't have a board to close the bottom of my Langstroth hive. So what I did is I used two migratory covers, one for the bottom and one for the top. That's the called one- being resourceful. <laughs> yeah, doing what I got. And so I, I screwed on the, the one at the bottom and the one at the top is just there to be movable so you can open up your Langstroth very easily and inspect it. So fast forward to uh, I've traced my half hexagonal top bar opening onto the outside of my Langstroth box, still making sure that those tops of the two boxes are aligning, and then removing that box, like you said. And now what I have is I have to cut out that exact traced opening to match the top bar. So if you don't have fancy tools you can use a handsaw it's just going to take you a little bit long, longer but it's totally feasible and if you do have a jigsaw i highly recommend it because it's um it's like butter it just cuts like in like 2 minutes you're done and that's the beauty of this conversion it's anybody can do it and do it really quickly all together in less than 10 minutes so what I do then is I take my saw whichever it is jigsaw or, or handsaw and I cut the diagonal going down um of the shape that I just traced. So I follow the lines and cut it down all the way to that bottom line and where it intersects, right? So now I have those cut out. I will take my saw back above the intersection points vertically above it and I'm going to cut straight downwards to that same point intersecting with that horizontal line. And at that point, I basically have cut out two triangles because there's only a tiny point of connection at the bottom and I just pop it off with my my hands, right? Now I'm left over with a rectangle in the center that's attached by that line I traced. And all I have to do, it might be harder with a handsaw, but you can use a, a drill to, to um, carve at it in several points to get it started but with a jigsaw that's super easy you just carve at it and just follow that horizontal line and that rectangle pops off and at that point you have an exact match to the opening of your top hive
1: yeah so you mentioned using a drill there's one thing you can do there where if using a jigsaw, if you have a jigsaw and you have a drill, you could technically do it kind of all in one swoop. So you've got that that inner dimension of the top bar that comes down, it's it's making half of a hexagon shape. So in the bottom two corners of your hexagon, if you take a drill bit and you drill out the inner part of that corner right where it is, then when you come down with your he- or with your jigsaw, when you hit that oh, opening, yes. it allows enough room for you to turn the jigsaw right there oh, and yeah. then go straight across the bottom. Then when you hit your other side, you can turn again and come up to the top. So you could do that if you've got the tools. If not, if you don't have a drill, but you do have a jigsaw or a handsaw, then you can do it like you're saying there where you, you do it in sections to allow that space right. that you need to be able to turn.
0: Look at that. See, this is exactly why when you do anything, you need constructive feedback to your ideas, especially because you're a remover. So you work a lot with doing that kind of. Um, I, I, uh,
1: cut, like I cut I cut out a lot of things. <laughs> yes. I do lots of cutting it open and opening. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Now that you mention it, I remember um maybe not you, but Steve Butler do that as well, one of my really good remover friends as well. And I've seen other woodworkers do that, including the 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 gentleman that's now cutting highs for us. And I don't know why. I'm not a woodworker. So I was just hacking it and I didn't think of that. But now yeah. I'm gonna incorporate that in my process, right? Yeah. And so I'll that's
1: that's kind of uh a an easy way to use a jigsaw is if you do have a drill bit that is you know you kind of want it to be like if you can do a half inch drill bit like that's awesome if not whatever the largest size drill bit you have is it needs to be big enough that the saw blade can fit into the hole that it's going to make but doing that on those inner corners you can come down and be able to turn it now again depending on tools what if you have a multi-purpose tool it's a it's a tool that you put a blade on and it just it cycles it oscillates back and forth You can use those same types of tools to cut through wood, and if you are, you don't necessarily have to drill a hole, because since how it is something that's coming down from the top and cutting through, you can actually do whatever type of shape you want with that, and you can make those turns pretty easy as well.
0: I'm glad you brought this up, because I had a question. Initially, um, I wanted the jigsaw, but then, no, I'm sorry, I wanted that, it's called an oscillating tool, right? Yes.
1: Yeah, okay. I call it a multi-purpose, but it's uh like Dremel makes one Dremel multi-purpose oscillating saw sort of thing. Right.
0: So it's got that flat end piece that's oscillating so fast that it's cutting through, and it's made usually for I think drywalls and things like that. Right.
1: Yeah, you get get you can get all kinds of different attachments. There are uh, you can get attachments that have carbon fiber. Uh, <laughs> my brain went blank. It's carbon something. Yeah, basically it's, it's carbide um, that goes through and it actually, you know, it, it helps the blade not dull, but you can get certain ones like that that can go through anything, including metal, but it might take you a little bit longer. They have bits that are specifically made for wood and they'll tell you this will cut a two by four, or this will cut a PVC pipe. This will cut through metal. So you can, you can cut through screw heads, things like that. So you can pick the different types of blades for that specific tool. That's one of the reasons why it's a multi-purpose quote unquote, because you can attach grinder bits and all kinds of different things to it that are going to oscillate side to side to create a saw motion.
0: So initially that's exactly what I wanted to use. And then I got worried that this is not drywall. This is not just a simple plywood, you know, thinner, you know, more flimsy kind of a a, a, a substrate. It's actually one inch uh, hardwood the top the the Langstroth boxes are made out of pine usually, and so I was worried it would overheat and bind, and basically destroy my saw. That's no. why I switched to the jigsaw.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't do that. Now the hot, the saw is going to get warm, but it's not going to necessarily overheat it. The problem is going to be it will take you a lot longer. It's going to okay. be a slower process. It's a it's it can be more precise, but it's also again a lot slower. So in this scenario jigsaw is your number one answer if you've got a jigsaw okay. that's going to be the fastest um yes. even a handsaw if it's a good sharp handsaw to do those initial angle cuts down is going to be faster than the multi-purpose tool but the multi-purpose yes. tool will allow you to change the positioning and the angle as you're going down that so sure. it, again it's it's well, it's precisely. like you, yeah it's it's about being resourceful and using what you have so whatever tools you do have you can find a way to modify it so that you can cut out this opening that you need to on the side of that Langstroth box.
0: Exactly, and so by the way, the bees don't care if it's not <laughs> no. exactly straight and if it's not exactly matching, because all they care about is their comb when going from one area to the other. So the bees are not going to care if you're a little seedy and and that bothers you. Then by all means, do it super straight, do it super fitting, and and everybody's going to be okay. The bees don't care. Um, the reason I was I wanted to step back a little bit and mention the reason why I was thinking about tracing on. On the inside of the box is because with that jigsaw that I ended up settling in I didn't think I could cut um, inside the top bar hive I didn't have the space to do it flat and to cut the right angles and so because I wanted it as close as possible to my opening I was like well the only way I have space once it's screwed on is to cut from inside my Langstroth box and that's wow. why I pulled it that way
1: yeah right so see that inspiration- comes back to that comes back to me just leaning and using my body pressure to hold it up there, tracing right. the line and then taking it away entirely so that you're cutting right. it on a flat surface.
0: Exactly. Nothing's in
1: your way. And then you can put it right back up.
0: Right. So I, the, the step that I was missing is being able to take it out to do my work. And <laughs> that would have been so much easier. Uh, but so, you know, okay.
1: if- I got a question real quick on the When you said to put it up there and measure it, you were talking about, you're you're really wanting to measure, or sorry, you're wanting to make the top of the Langstroth box equal with the top edges of the top bar hive itself, not the frames, not the bars, but the frame, the actual side walls of right. the, the top bar hive. Okay,
0: lined up with it. I don't care about the depth of my Langstroth box, and if it matches the bottom floor of my top bar hive. It doesn't really matter because as you know, as a remover, the bees don't care about that. They might have longer combs on one side of a structure and then they uh, jump over to a a beam or something and that cavity is smaller. They'll keep right on continuing in that. So I didn't care about that. For those of you who are wondering why I'm even talking about this on the natural beekeeping corners, because I'm a big proponent of horizontal natural comb for um, colony health. And so this is one of my ways to achieve this with, um, you know, not if you don't have the opportunity to get um, uh, swarms to populate your hives, or if you don't want to package because of various reasons, and all you're stuck with to populate it is Langstroth frames.
1: Yeah, well, that's like, for me, I'm the person that grows and sells top bar nukes. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like now in a new area and I want to have more colonies, there's nowhere around here that I can go through and buy any type of colony that's going to fit inside of a top bar hive. So having these types of conversions definitely helps for people that are in a rural area or or an area where maybe it's dominated by Langstroth. There is no horizontal style hives out there. This is a way for you to be able to use what's at hand but still get it to modify or convert itself into what you would ultimately prefer to do down the road.
0: Right, and the goal is to work smart, not hard, right? right? As usual, you want to simplify instead of make things more complicated because what happens when you make it more complicated, you create barriers to entry, you create a friction, and that makes it hard for people to um, accept the new um, uh, concepts, And the goal here is to democratize horizontal natural comb um, beekeeping for the sake of the bees and their health, and also your back. So (laughs) I think that um, the next step, uh, by the way, once you've opened up the cavity is to just screw it back onto the uh, taba hive and align everything, the tops again. And just now that your cavity is open, your Langstroth box opening is cut it's really easy to put those screws in and align them with the um, edges of your top bar hive. So once you've done that, you have a Langstroth box that's suspended to a top bar hive and you can place, so so if you're just demonstrating, you can place empty frames and, show, and you would bring those frames, Langstroth frames, all the way as close as possible to the top bar. And that means your top bar hive and that means your bars for the tabar hive would, if you align them with the outer edge of that Langstroth, abut to basically the Langstroth frames ears, respecting the bee space as the bees build the comb inside the tabar hive. So that is also very important. Now the whole goal of this is to install existing full power, full sized, established colonies into a uh, conversion for top hive what else do you see that might be a problem if you start popping those frames with brood food lots of honey large colony large population in an eight frame or ten <laughs> length trough box attached to uh, the end of a top hive that's empty otherwise
1: so i have seen this um firsthand but in 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 a much poorly designed version not what we're talking about today where things are glued together or screwed together or preferably both screwed at the minimum glued and screwed preferred because then it's going to bond and not come apart but number one you're you're on a very long plane and right? the whole other half of that is empty. And then we all know that, especially if it's a 10 frame deep Langstroth box, that sucker is going to be heavy. And putting it on that could very well have a teeter-totter effect where you suddenly flip the whole thing and it falls down. I've seen in the, the instance where I've seen in person the legs were not attached very well. And the the side box was not attached to the hive very well. And it literally started pulling apart and separating and the exactly. legs started bending and bowing and it literally just pulled apart and collapsed. So oh, wow. you definitely okay. want to make sure that it's sturdy construction, screw it together, don't nail it together. Right. And then possibly you might want to do something to ensure that it can support that counterweight until they fully build out across there.
0: Right, and it's physics, guys, right? So kind of common sense is uh, needed here. What would be your suggestion or do you want my suggestion on how to counter this problem?
1: So the the only way that I would probably, okay, there's I, let me take that back. There's two ways. Um, I've advised people before where they're in situations where it's windy and they're afraid that the top bar may blow over for some reason, that they can actually anchor the legs of the top bar to a cinder block or to cinder blocks itself. Um, you could also kind of fashion a counterweight using a cinder block that is anchored to the other end just to hold it down, even if the legs themselves aren't attached to it. But that would be kind of the way that that I would think about doing it anyway.
0: Okay. So that's excellent. That respects the physics of it. My concern as I thought about that, more of the counterbalance than, than really anchoring it was my, my uh, first initial reaction was that... Even if I did that, and the top bar part of the apparatus doesn't move and doesn't get dragged down by the weight of the length what if those screws are not enough? What if it starts tearing out at the edge? Because remember, we just cut an opening, and those screws are at the edge of that opening, so there's really not much. And those uh, colon- those um, length boxes can get super heavy. So I had images of the box tearing out from the screws, basically, and falling on the ground. So my way to counter this would be to put potentially cinder blocks underneath the Langstroth.
1: Oh, support, l- yeah, help support the weight from the Langstroth side.
0: And basically have a stand underneath, or just um, a couple two-by-fours cut to length to fit underneath the, the Langstroth, and just basically screw them to the bottom and just kind of have a sturdy stand.
1: Yeah. Now, you know, so... You and I talked on our Patreon version of the show. We talked about how I was going through and converting the Langstroth so that I could merge this nuke onto a top bar. And we did the similar thing. But since how I was purposefully doing this and I had the material, instead of using an existing Langstroth box, I built out of two by lumber, a nuke box that was going to attach to it. But I did have a thought about just what you said, is that going to be too heavy on the end and possibly try Mm -hmm. to pull away? But what I did is I took a two by four and I ran it underneath the top bar and out just far enough that it would support the nuke. And then from the inside of the top bar, I screwed down in there. So it's actually counterbalancing that weight because it's pushing up in the middle of the top bar hive floor And then Mm -hmm. coming out to help support it from there. But yeah, you could put a leg or two legs underneath the actual Langstroth box itself. Um, You could do some sort of shelf if it is. Oftentimes, like, as you've seen out there at the main apiary, a lot of times I didn't put legs on things. I set them on cinder blocks or on pallets. So if you don't have legs on your hive, it's very easy just to put another cinder block out there or two and set it to where it's level, you know, next to it.
0: Or if you have the entire thing, top bar trough and langstroth, um, you know, conversion attached, sitting on a table, right? Yep. I mean, it, it, let's imagine you, and you could lift up your length to be matching the top of the uh, top bar hive. In the simplest form, if it doesn't match the top of your length of your top bar hive and your length sitting a little bit lower or a little bit higher, it's not the end of the world either, right? They're still going to respect B space, but I, I prefer to have the tops matching where the length Langstroth tops in the top bars are matching personally. So that's kind of why I'm going through that process. But yeah, I mean, setting it up on a flat surface at that point would work. Um, using stands would work. I think that even if you were doing the counterbalancing, you still would need some kind of support uh, because a 10 frame filled with Bs and the beauty of this, by the way, is that you can add all your upper boxes, your supers, your second deep box, and all that stuff, and keep that colony exactly the way it was. If you have a double deep in a medium, you can still keep it attached to that top bar and yeah. get it to grow. And by the way, if you don't have a whole top bar uh, full size, you can use a top bar nuke and affix it to the outside of that length. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Of that Langstroth and not even have to have a big old Tabar hive. And then what you can do is pop those Tabar nukes and sell them or populate your hives yeah. without having to even move your Langstroth.
1: You've created a hive generator that's that's making right. nukes for you, and then you just take those bars out, move them over, plop them into the new hive, make sure that they've got some eggs and larvae in there, and yeah. ta da, they're off to the races. <laughs>
0: and you can keep managing your Langstroth exactly the same way you have over the years.
1: Yep. Now, if you are going to use it, though, and you're going to stack the other boxes on it, then absolutely that sucker has to be, (laughs) it has to have legs, it has to be counterbalanced, because now you've got this tower condo on one side, which, you know, you're looking at 70 pounds on that deep box could possibly be that way. And then you're putting a 40 pound medium on top of it you're over a hundred pounds on one side of this thing. You don't want it to crater and fall. So absolutely make sure that it is counterweighted, make sure that the base support is done. Um, And I didn't think about it until you just said it. When I, when I was talking about doing mine and I did the bar underneath it, I custom built it. So I didn't have to move a Langstroth up or down to level everything out. But I was thinking whenever I do, I do my end pieces different than you do, because I don't I don't want to cut the hexagonal end cap to put up on oh, there. Yeah. So I just use the whole rectangle, like a 19 inch rectangle, well, rectangle, <laughs> and, okay. and I stick that up there. But when I do it, I level the bottom and I let the top stick up higher yeah, because it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It gives a place for the bar to actually become flush against that top edge and then are well against the side of it anyway it it becomes flush there but it also provides a stand for me to then build the top of it the roof roof. um, if you're wrapping over any type of aluminum or corrugated plastic or if you're building a wooden frame structure it allows there to be distance between the bars and the top of the roof so you've got airflow it helps discourage things from wanting to be underneath there so either way that you do it you can make it work. And it, and like you said, the bees aren't going to care if they move into the wall of your house. They don't care if there's pipes and wires and things in the way they're going to build around it. They will make do. It doesn't right. matter if one section's off from the other. I've seen them start in the wall and actually build up and then expand into an attic space, which is the complete opposite of what normally they would do, but that's where the available space was. So they moved above themselves separate from the colony and started building again because they needed that more space. So they don't care. Was
0: was there like a floor separating the two levels?
1: Not just the, just the way that the roof curved in. And Mm -hmm. so they had to go kind of, it was basically like if the, the, if it was a floor, if you imagine it was a floor that came out and the roof came over it, it only left a two inch gap in that wall cavity that gave access to the attic cavity. And so they built up to the top of that and then they skipped that gap and they started building above it and went up the strip. Wow. And so, yeah, it's the same concept as when you have your Langstroth boxes stacked on each other. You've got a gap between the bottom of the top frame and the top of the next frame that they just, they kind of looked at it like that. They were like, whatever, we need more room and there's space up there. So we're just going to go up there.
0: But what it didn't do is build, extend the combs that they had above, um, because there was a partition. There There right? was
1: something there that stopped them, but there was enough space that they could, they themselves could walk around it. It's also the same concept. And here's here's a cheat. So not to, not to completely throw everything else that we've talked about <laughs> out the window. But if you're looking at bees inside a wall and you've got your actual studs, the wall frames going up every 16 inches, electricians will bore a one to two inch hole. It's actually, it's a one inch hole through the two by four, two inches we'll get to in a second, but they'll bore a one inch hole through the center of the two by four because they run the electrical wires through the center of the wall that way. Well, if the bees start in one column and they fill that column up and they need more space, they will absolutely use that passage and crawl around through the wires to the next cavity over and begin filling that space up as well. So they don't care about the size, the shape, the position. It's just the access to the space. So that being said, this is one caveat I will throw in there. Let's pretend you love this entire conversation, but you have no saws whatsoever, but you do have a drill. You can take that Langstroth box and you could still screw it to the side of the top bar. And then you could take a drill. And if you have a a one to two inch drill bit, bore a hole (laughs) through the bottom of that sucker flush between the two of them, and now they've got a cavity that has their top bar and they've right. got a cavity that has their length stroth, and they've got a one inch opening or bigger that they can pass through and they'll come right up the other side and start building their comb to expand.
0: I am so glad that you brought this up because that was our first iteration, by yeah, the way. That's With what mine saw. is out there. <laughs> right. The whole saw, because we talked about it. Yes. And, and so the whole saw, and that was Les Crowder's basically saying, they don't care that, and you mentioned the same thing. And I was like, yeah, sure. But are they um, spreading their brood's nest across the two cavities or is it they're using one for the brood's nest and the other one for storage? And, and what I've seen when I tried it is that they tended to build it into the top bar, comb and fill it with nectar. But they were staying into the other side for the brood's nest. So that was defeating my purpose. And that's why I was like, well, that would be easier if there was no obstacle whatsoever um, to, to that expansion of the brood's nest. And, and that's where I was like, I really need to get that opening cut. Yeah. And and that's a,
1: that's an excellent point though, because that wooden partition is separating, separating them off. So when they are crawling up underneath there, yes, they're building the comb and everything, but if they, they they will expand it to a point, and if you can catch her on the other side of that, then maybe you can kind of prevent it and switch it to where they're going to use the, the Langstroth as their storage. But yeah, that's a good point, because if it's continuous comb and nothing's blocking them, she's more apt to just go from comb to comb to comb. If she's got to crawl down, wow. go through a hole, and then and then start on the other side that may be a little bit more challenging. And I say she as in the queen,
0: (laughs) not to leave out the
1: obvious there.
0: (laughs) Right, the queen mother. Well, and then, so you can, once they have some comb um, built out on the other side, you could potentially force her by moving her to the other side and putting a queen excluder. Uh, The brood in the original box would start hatching and uh, emerging and then there would be storage of food instead and all the brood would happen on the other side. but. I feel like, you know, um, unless you're really trying to get rid of the Langstroth part of the apparatus, you don't really need to do that. And it's especially true if uh, the queen starts to lay in the tabar hive. The, um, um, the whole complex, you can keep together with the Langstroth on one end and the tabar on the other hand and manage it just that way. Or if you want to get rid of the Langstroth altogether once the queen is laying you have a bird's nest and food into your top bar you could detach the whole thing close back the top bar and and just put the frames back into a a non-cut langstroth box and sell it sell it to somebody as a full-size colonies uh they will make their own queen if you make sure they still have some eggs and um and at that point you can sell it don't sell them a a box of bees with just bees and food and no way to make a queen, but, um, so that's some, something to keep in mind as well. I was going to say something and I forgot what else, uh, you have to kind of manage it that way. If you, uh, want, you can start phasing out the frames of the Langstroth as they build into the top bar. And then once you have enough, you can just close back with your end piece that you took out and leave that Langstroth box attached. But empty and reuse it another time or you could just you know so you have three options keep them together detach them and close them back or keep them attached but um um phase out the length
1: yeah i like the idea of being able to have it on there so the the purpose that i want to use mine for is that generation aspect like we talked about I want to be able to take the actual nuke that I purchased, put it into this box, have them expand out into the top bar and then kind of phase out the nuke or take the stuff that they've built in the top bar and use it to populate another top bar so I can continue growing the top bars. But I don't okay. necessarily need to have five top bars with the Langstroth's attached. I just need right, one exactly. so that exactly. I can get that process started. Um, now if you, if you have a lot of length and you want to transition more of them over to top bar, then sure, maybe, maybe you make two or three or four of these types of styles, but it doesn't mean that every top bar you have has to have that attached. It's just a way to go ahead and start that process and get that transition going. And then yeah. from there, like you said, phase it out, close it off, keep it on there and use it. And, and just, you know, it, if honestly, if you have it set up and they're building out into the top bar, but you also have a medium on top of it, it's kind of a win-win no matter which way they go because if they build yeah. their brood's nest out into the top bar, awesome. That's a much more natural thing for them anyway. But if they right. don't and they build out honeycomb in there, well, guess what? You've got a ton of cut comb honey that you can use yes. you know, and sell at a premium so, I mean, it's it doesn't matter. It's kind of the fun of being able to explore the differences in how the bees work in those different structures, and being able to see it all right there together in one space.
0: Well, it's definitely very educational to see both sides, and if that's that's another thing that helps with natural beekeeping is understanding how the bee fun the bees function, no matter what the cavity and and what the differences are between. Langstroth beekeeping, for example, and Tabar beekeeping, that really informs you and and makes you more um, a better beekeeper in the end, being able to manage your bees more naturally because of it. So that's something to keep in mind. I want to circle back real quick to what you said about the drilling. If you don't have all those tools, you could use that drill to keep drilling along the line. And cut that's that true. That, away, <laughs> that is right? true.
1: And even yeah. if, even if you end up with these little, little like half circle points we'll from where you were coming matter. down the line, the bees don't care. <laughs> don't as care. long as the main center portion of that is open, they will still technically have the same concept of comb to comb as they go through. Um, okay. So one thing, and I I think you may have said this. I don't know. I don't know if I just didn't hear it correctly or if, if you kind of assumed it in the conversation but you're talking about b space you've got the langstroth box there the langstroth box is going to have frames that come up to the wooden edge of the box and then you're going to have your top bars that come up to the side of it but you are going to have a tiny gap and that should be filled with a spacer (laughs) well yeah you put a spacer in there so that they don't do that (laughs)
0: that was true with the uh easy nook Well, actually that was not even true with the easy new conversion, but in theory it should have because you have that thickness of that wall that was preventing the bar from being abutted to the Langstroth. But with this concept, and that's why I wanted to align the Langstroth box to the top of the top bar hive, you all of a sudden can abut the uh, shoulders of your Langstroth frames all the way to the edge of the Langstroth, basically touching the wall. And now you have the thickness of that Langstroth box, the three-quarter of an inch, that's in the way of the, your B space. Since you have your two boxes aligned at the top, you take your top first top bar and you put it above that three-quarter of an inch Langstroth. Just slightly overlapping match, it. To match the, uh, just above the uh, shoulders of the Langstroth, to match that B space. It doesn't matter. They'll build it in between that opening and within that three-quarter of an inch uh, space. But once you're ready to, it's a perfectly fine comb. There's no burr comb. Uh, it, it's just our OCD kind of prevents us from seeing it that way sometimes, right? Yeah. And then they'll keep going. And then when you want to close it, you push them back by three-quarter of an inch or an inch, put a spacer, put your end piece, and you're good to go. No problems there.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, because that was my other thought is sometimes if you've got a void of space that invalidates the B space between right. where the, the last comb was and where the next one we needs to go, they're either going to fill it with a weird skinny burr comb, which I have seen in, in some hive styles where you have like a conversion like that. They will, when they transition from a foundation to a foundationless natural comb, they will sometimes build in the, the interchange between those two divisions. That becomes a permanent comb that just doesn't move and that's okay. Right. Um, yeah. But it's easier if you can manipulate everything and be able to get through there. So that's why I was curious on that, if there needed to be that spacer that's like we had question. to do with the easy nuke box or not.
0: Yeah, that's a great, great question. And because the, the tops match and align, you can make sure they respect the B space and have them build on the center of your top bar uh, immediately after the, like, that length strut frame because those shoulders to the edge of that top bar is your b space respected.
1: So you're on your lid if you have the migratory top, worst case scenario then the migratory top may be offset just a just a fraction or is it still perfectly where it normally would have been?
0: Yes, so perfectly lining up with the outer edge of your Langstroth box. Just okay. in that you can use as a stopper for your top bar. You just make sure that top bar is as close as possible to that lid. Now you have your b space respected. So that's kind of um, the way I'm looking at it. And I think that the beauty of this concept is that it's um, very versatile. You can start with a small colony or a large colony. You can have a large tabar hive or a small tabar nuke. You don't need the counterbalance and anchor if you have the stand underneath your Langstroth to hold the weight. Uh, You can set it on the ground. You don't even need a stand. So there's all kinds of things that you can do um, maybe not on the ground, I wouldn't do that because of humidity and, and past, but you could have it on a table or on a flat stand and just kind of play with those and maybe slip a couple of books under your Langstroth if you need to kind of, yeah. Anything, right?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely do not ever make your hive contact and it doesn't matter if it's a Langstroth at the top bar, do not let your hive come into contact with the bare earth itself because one, it is going to draw ah. the humidity, it's going to attract termites, it's going to attract wood ants, It's going to have all kinds of other things, scorpions, spiders, you name it. There's going to be stuff under there. Mice and rats will want to try to burrow under it and actually create a nest because they can partake in the heat from above. Um, You don't want to do that. It's, It's a quick way to ruin your wood and your equipment. So you definitely want it to be up on something. Even if that is just a pallet, you get a wooden pallet and you stick it on the ground first. That provides airspace and a gap. And then you put your hive on top of that or cinder blocks side by side and stack it on top of that. I've had plenty of top bars that were on both of those, either pallets or cinder blocks Um, because we were putting them in trucks. We were moving them. I didn't want to have to take legs off, put them back on things like that. So it was just easier. But the other great thing about them is the versatility of that. Maybe you've got an old big round metal garden table that you don't use. Stick the hive on top of that. It's still waist high or a little bit taller. You can still work it Um, out here. There's no such thing as level flat land, so I have built the top bars where the legs on one side are about a foot <laughs> longer than the legs on the other side. So that when yeah, they the set oh, the, or, yes, the like goat. those goats that grow on uh, lopsided <laughs> legs. Yeah. Um, that's how I've had to build the top bars out here because they, I, there's nowhere level for me to set them where I want them to be. So I had to, take into account the actual plane of the land and make the legs appropriately shorter on the backside and longer on the front side. So they'll set level.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah.
1: Which also makes <laughs> it a trick when you're trying to work it too, because you're standing on the higher end of that, trying to work, you know, the other way around. It, it just kind of makes it really interesting. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, that you know, for you to work the hives should be pretty interesting. But yeah, that versatility. Um, that oh, I forgot to mention. Of course, you attach that Langstroth with no bees in there, no frames, no nothing.
1: Yeah, don't try uh, to do that with the colony in place. Use a spare it, box.
0: <laughs> bring it close to that colony, that Langstroth colony, and and set it aside, and then you can transfer all the frames from the bottom um, brood box into. So take if you have several levels, set them aside, transfer all the brood box uh, frames in the um, conversion, and then you can start putting back your boxes on top if you have the right support for it.
1: Yeah, definitely start with a spare box. The 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 box that's getting attached to the hive should not be currently occupied. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> then, then you're right back to the taking a frame to a table saw with comb and everything on it. Like what? you don't want to put the bees through that type of heartache. You You want to be able to do this in a nice clean space and then once it's ready for people to move in, then you bring the bees. <laughs> right.
0: Exactly. Very gently. And that goes back to the whole natural beekeeping focus of limiting the stress um, on the colony and not hacking it to pieces and not um, exploding the box. I call that having frames everywhere, having bees everywhere, you having your hands Within the superorganism, just kind of spreading it apart and 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 just stressing it out because you're gonna end up with stressed out bees, potentially a smooshed queen, and uh, a whole host of problems.
1: Yeah, very upset colony that that also. Depending on the genetic profile of your colony, the more you screw with them, the more apt they are to say, "Screw it, we're leaving." Hey, you. And you yeah, don't exactly. want to you don't want to force them to abscond because you've messed with them too much and traumatized them through this entire process. So, do all your construction on its own, and then bring the colony and put it in there when you're ready. <laughs>
0: exactly. Two things makes bees uh, abscond is um, stress and disruptions, predators, basically. And uh, lack of food, poor nutrition. Those are the main ones for which they leave. So, pests and nutrition.
1: And the quickest way to piss them off is any type of motorized engine. (laughs) So, (laughs) a saw directly on the side of their hive (laughs) absolutely (laughs) counts as a a good motivation to get yourself stung.
0: (laughs) That would make them pretty uh, stressed out and me. Yeah,
1: hacked off. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this is kind of a way to have a sustainable apiary, and by the way, just like I would recommend a long Langstroth for anybody that's uh, gung-ho about um, Langstroth vertical hives, to have one of those as a give-all-take-all, that brings versatility to your apiary, and this does the same thing if you want to try uh, top hives, by the way, so...
1: So as a one extra little added caveat that I will throw in here real quick for anybody out there who has joined us on Patreon and has joined us at the B Academy level, specifically on Patreon, there will be it won't be immediately released with this, but there will be in the coming weeks, an actual visual video tutorial on how to do this entire process. So if, if listening to us talk through this right now has piqued your interest, but maybe you're a visual person and you absolutely need to see that. Then you can go through and you can do that as well. Um, so that way, it is a, it's a way for you to be able to go out there and see those individual steps and and put that all together.
0: That's right. So step by step video instructions on how to do that.
1: That's true. There's a, so technically on be mindful, you actually have a blog where you've gone through and you've discussed this as well, and there are some video clips inside that too where people can go through and see. Yeah, little snippets to see how to do it. So you can get that version as well.
0: And the description uh, in writing. But mostly um, what we've talked about here today is a lot more comprehensive. And the video that will be posted on Patreon will be a lot more um, smooth and put together and comprehensive as well. So that's it. There you have it. Uh, Another way to look at... uh, Um, increasing the amount of natural beekeeping principles you use in your yard, increasing your sustainability, decreasing bee stress and trying new things so that you have a better understanding and um, leverage the bottom of the integrated pest management pyramid, which is culture. I mean, which is education and knowledge. That's the base of everything you do to keep your bees healthy. Um, Next comes cultural, basically what kind of genetics and what kind of environments. And then you have uh, mechanical, biological, and chemical. So if you want to review your integrated pest management strategies, I encourage you to do so. But this would be the base, the very base. The um, education and knowledge would be improved with these kind of experiments. So that's it. Um, I thank you for listening to today's episode of the Natural Beekeeping Corner on the Hive Jive. And I especially want to thank John for joining me today and sharing his very constructive criticism and informative uh, insights. So thank you, John.
1: My pleasure.
0: And we'll see you next month. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. And don't forget to...
1: Be mindful.
0: Thank you. I got to say it. Thank you. Bye, guys. You've been listening to The Hive Jive. We appreciate you joining us on our beekeeping adventures. And you can find out more information about today's episode online at thehivejive.com. And as always, thanks for listening.